You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Well, welcome, welcome. So glad you guys are here. Uh, my name is Bill Vecchio. For those that you don't know me, um, I'm one of the pastors here. and uh, Excited to open the word with you all. Uh, if Most of you do know this about me, but I grew up more of a city boy than a country boy. And so I grew up in New York. Now, I didn't grow up in Manhattan, like in the core of the city, but we lived on Long Island. And, and my dad worked in the city. He, he did uh, heavy construction, and uh, he was one that paved the World Trade Center and did a whole bunch of stuff up there. And, and my dad loved concrete. And so any opportunity he had to put more concrete around our house, he did. And so uh, I, I grew up with, uh, he, he built me a basketball court, and, and, and we just had awesome opportunities to uh, have a fully concreted house. Um, and so I didn't grow up like with animals. I didn't grow up raising animals. That wasn't, I didn't live farm life like many of you uh, in this room ha- have experienced in your life. Um, but I didn't. Um, but I kind of feel now that I've been forced into running a farm at my house. And so we got a, a little puppy, a, a golden doodle, and so that, that she's great. Um, but then my wife wanted chickens, and so we got some chickens. And then one of my daughters wanted a bunny, so now we have a bunny randomly running around in our pool cage. Uh, she doesn't have like her own little pen. She runs, the pool cage is hers apparently. Um, and so that's, that's not normal for me uh, to, to know what it means to run a farm. Um, I think even the other day, my wife was like, do we have room for a goat? And I'm like, no, we don't have room for a goat. We live like off McGregor. I mean, like this isn't, this isn't the life that I thought I was called to live. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about these I am statements of Jesus. And last week, we got to talk about what it looks like for Jesus to be the door. And now this week, we get to talk about what it means for Jesus to be the good shepherd. Now, I don't have sheep. I've not been around sheep. Uh, I don't even think I've ever pet a sheep before. Uh, so as I was like going through studying about sheep, because that's what I have to do for you all is study these things, um, is I called Tim, right? And I'm like, all right, Tim, I'm getting a lot of mixed information about what sheep do and what they don't do. Um, but but all I know, here's what I do. Uh, most people don't go out and get a tattoo of a sheep. Some do, um, but most don't. Usually they want something like butch, like a lion, right? Or if they do have a sheep, it's next to a lion. Um, I, I know that sheep are natural prey. I know that they don't have claws, and their teeth are not meant for defending themselves. Um, I know that they're nervous and skittish, uh, that they live in perpetual anxiety and fear. Sound like anybody you know. Um, often we are referred to as sheep. Um, people uh, living in perpetual anxiety and fear. That's not what you wanted when you came to church today, was it? Like to be told that you're a sheep. Um, but, but often we are likened to a sheep. And sheep have a shepherd. Now the shepherd is humble and lowly. They bring calm and security. The shepherd will talk to his sheep and call them by name. And so this morning as we open up the word and as we look at what what the author here, John, is trying to say to the church, we see that the good shepherd leads and knows and cares for his sheep. So what I want to do is I want to pray for us, and then we're just going to dive in and go through these verses and see what the Lord has in store for him to open up our eyes and our minds about him being our good shepherd. Jesus, 
right now I pray that you would um, stir in us uh, a desire, an understanding of who you are and what you have done for us uh, by being our good shepherd, one who leads and cares and guides and directs our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that, that we would trust you in this time. In your name we pray. Amen. So the good shepherd. Um, now, good is, for, is kind of a relative term in our culture. It could mean like they're moral. Um, often when someone is not living a good lifestyle, especially a kid, um, being a youth pastor for 10 years, one of the things that uh, parents used to come up to me and talk to me about was they used to say, um, hey, my kid's going through some rough times, but he's a good kid. Right, so my kid's doing bad things, but he's a good kid. Right, so we, we use this term "good." We we could use it uh, for food. Right, that was a good meal, or we could use that for an experience that we had. It was good, but but the word here "good" is bigger than mere morality. The Greek here means beautiful, attractive. The good shepherd is who draws you in. So when we say the good shepherd here, the word that that John is using is, is one that is beautiful and attractive and that draws you into himself. That's what the good shepherd means. So the good shepherd, the first thing we see here in this passage is he leads his sheep. Look at verses three and four. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And we got to think of this journey. So last week we talked about this sheepfold. And so at night, shepherds would come with their flocks and they would put them in this sheepfold that would protect the sheep at night. And there was a door that kept them in, corralled in this sheepfold. Um, and last week we talked about how that sheepfold was, was an analogy uh, to talk about the Jews, and so the chosen people of God, the Israelites, and how we see later on in this passage that there are sheep that are not of that fold. And so that's talking about many of us in this room who are not of, of Jewish descent, not born in an Israelite family that are coming out of the descendants of Israel, but actually those that are Gentiles. And so Christ has come to unite all people, rich, poor, young, old, no matter who you are, what you've done, he's come to unite all people into his sheepfold into his family. And so now the good shepherd comes and the shepherds would come and they would, they would call their sheep. Their sheep would uh, come out of this sheepfold and then he would lead them to a pasture where they could graze and they could eat and they could hydrate. And the journey from the sheepfold to the pasture was not always an easy journey. Often, the road to get to sheep to the pasture was rocky. Um, there were different obstacles that they'd have to navigate around. Um, there were different enemies, um, predators that would be around that, that, that the shepherd would have to navigate. And so the journey to the pasture was not always an easy one. Now, if you want to think of our lives, we are on a journey. We are going through life and we are on this journey. It's not always easy. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm just talking about me, I want the pasture, but I don't want to go through the hard time. I want to go to where things are good and nice and calm, right? We see, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, right? And that's what I want. 
Like, I want to go to the all-inclusive resort, and I want to sit down on the bed, and I want to relax, and I want to enjoy. But the journey to get there is not always easy. There are some bumps and scrapes and bruises that come along the way. And as a people, we don't like to be inconvenienced by that. Maybe not you, okay? I, I, I see blank stares, great. I don't like that journey often. I just want the easy path. I, wanna just, I want him to pick me up and just carry me over there and just set me down and then I could enjoy. But the shepherd leads the sheep. If he did not bring the sheep, if he did not bring the sheep to the pasture, they would go hungry. They would dehydrate. And so they needed to take that journey to go to the pasture. Often I think we think that God is not doing a good job leading us. And the problem with that is when we think that he's not doing a good job leading us because we're going through a difficult time, then what, what I tend to do is I tend to try to lead myself or I try to look to others to lead me to an easier path, a way that won't come along with so many bumps and scrapes and bruises. And so in all of that, we have to realize and remember that myself, as well as those that I look to lead me, they will fail. Sorry, my daughter's distracting us. That's my five-year-old. Um, and so we just call, call a spade a spade. That's what that was. Uh, yeah. And so... Um, when we try to take the reins from God, being the one who leads us to where he knows we need to go, when we look to others to try to lead us to a path that's easier than the one God has us on, all fail. I fail. The ones I look to fail. That's what we're seeing here in verses 12 and 13, this hired hand. Like, that's what we are. We're just hired hands. And what, what we tend to do is look to people or ourselves for that confidence or that path when really what we need to look to is Jesus, the one who directs us where we need to go. And we have to understand that that path might not be the easiest one all the time. So in this statement, John is making a big statement, especially to the Jews, because he's saying, hey, guess what? Jesus is a better leader than Abraham was. And when even just making that statement, the people would have been like, <gasps> better than Abraham? Yes, yes, better than Moses. But Moses led us through the wilderness. Yeah, and you wandered for 40 years. Right? Better than Jacob? He, he dug the well. Yeah, but, but guess what? Jesus was the one who made the water. So we're looking toward these human leaders and putting our faith and our hope in them. And, and what he's saying here, John, is, is no, he's actually better than Abraham, better than Moses, better than Jacob, better than David. Your fathers, your mothers, your mentors, your pastors, our presidents, our bosses. He's better. And here's the thing. He doesn't replicate all of their bad stuff. Often when we see somebody in charge or in authority, we begin to take those negative traits and project them onto God. But he possesses all the great characteristics of every single person that we know perfectly with none of the bad characteristics. See, for me, I, I know this. I make for a poor shepherd. 
And if you raise me up or Tim up or Steve up or any of your leaders up, you're missing the point. My only job is to point you to the beautiful shepherd. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do things wrong. I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness over and over and over again. He is everything that I will never be. So the good shepherd leads us, and he does that with instruction. And that instruction is for our good. His word is for our good. I think sometimes we look at the word and the instruction that God gives us in here, and we think, oh, well, that's outdated, or that's irrelevant, or um, it doesn't really seem like it applies these days. But, but just take it for what it's worth. Like God is saying, hey, your world would be better. Our world would be better if you didn't lie. Agreed? Hey, if you didn't go and steal stuff, life would be better. If you didn't murder one another, it would be better. If you didn't covet your neighbor's wife, life would be better. So God is after our good, and he gives us instruction to help bring us joy and fulfillment. But often we look at it as, oh, it's stopping me from doing what I want to do. And guess what? What we want to do, aside from God's word, will always lead to death and destruction. But what God says will always lead us to a green pasture with still waters where we can experience the fullness of joy found in Christ. So when you are in a relationship and there is dissension or disagreement or bitterness, the word says... Get together, restore that relationship, forgive one another. Don't gossip behind one another. Like He's giving us these words so that we could have the fullness of joy in relationship because he knows what is best. So he leads us by instruction. That instruction isn't always easy. In fact, in Psalm 23, after the green pastures and the still waters, he says, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. You know what oftentimes they would use the rod and the staff to do? To correct the sheep. To pull them away from dangerous areas or to hit them in the right direction. Didn't always feel good. Discipline doesn't always feel good. But we know it's for our good. And so the good shepherd leads his sheep but he's not just a great leader. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Look at verses three through five again. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls out his sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now skip down to verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. This know here is not just he knows about you. Oh, yeah, James enjoys playing guitar. Like, he doesn't just know facts about you. He intimately knows 
his sheep. He knows everything about them. He knows it because he's formed you in your mother's womb. There's a, there is a huge, a big, an amazing idea here that we can often pass over because we can maybe think that God is distant. We can maybe think that God is like kind of out there somewhere and he's not really present. But that's not what we're seeing here. We're seeing a very intimate God who knows you. I actually had a conversation. I was uh, at getting my hair cut this week, as some of you have uh, expressed, that it was too high and tight. Um, and so, uh, so I went, and, and we were talking about, I was, he, he was doing something, and we were talking, and, and then um, I started talking about how God knows him and how God loves him. And, and he was like, he doesn't want anything to do with me. That was his response. I, I, he, doesn't, he doesn't want anything to do with me. I was like, no, 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 actually he does. Like, you are created in his image. But often we have that feeling, that feeling of like, God doesn't really care about what's going on in my life. That's not what we see here. He knows his sheep just like the father knows the son. There's an intimacy here that, that we don't even fathom in our minds because we're not even capable of it. I know my wife better than all of you, but I don't know her the way God knows her. God knows the most intimate parts of her soul. And he knows you. At our core, the depths of our souls, we long for this. To be known, to belong, to be loved. I think this is why social media is an unspoken pandemic in our culture. Because we live for likes. Because we attribute likes for being known. Oh, here's a picture of my food. Let's see how many people want to see what I'm eating today. Or here's a selfie. Look, I'm in the Grand Canyon, right? Oh, I've, I, only 10 likes, and then all of a sudden it ruins the rest of our day. We want to be known. We want to belong. We want to be loved. That's, that's like the depths of, of who God has made us. We desire for others to relate to us. We want others to understand us. I mean, this is that like age-old uh, joke that goes on for marriages where um, the wife gets mad at the husband, but the husband has no idea uh, like why she's mad at him. And then he, uh, he scarefully, fearfully asks the question, like, what's wrong? And the response is, you should know. <laughs> we long to be understood. We long to be known. And we are even trying to get those around us to know us in that intimate way. But guess what? Only God knows us in that most intimate way. And if we're projecting or trying to get those around us to know us in that intimate way, we're putting on them a weight that they're not going to be able to carry. Husbands, it's a good idea for you to pay attention. It's a great idea for you to know your wife, and it's a great idea for you to know why you upset her. But you're going to fail at that. God never fails at that. He knows your hurts and your pains and your bitterness, and you can bring it to him because he knows his sheep and he calls them by name. Not just, oh, hey, that person over there with blonde hair that's 5'2". He knows them by name. He knows you by name. The shepherd truly knows the depths of his sheep. You know, 
when the shepherd would bring his sheep back to that sheepfold, he checks each one of them as they're entering in. Um, they have this thing called lanolin that is, uh, that's produced by their, their, the sheep. That It's like kind of this waxy oil that covers their, their wool and, and their, their skin, and, and it's very sticky. And so things would stick all over them um, from the field, uh, whether it's grass or briars or, or whatever. And so as they're coming in, he would check the sheep and get that stuff off the sheep. And then also he would check them for bruises and scrapes and bumps that's what the shepherd does. That's what a good shepherd does. He knows your hurts and your pains. He knows your weakness. He mends your wounds and he heals what is broken. And he knew his sheep's name. He would know that, oh yeah, this one is black ear and this one is pink nose and this one is hoppy and this one is Betty, right? So he had names for his sheep because he knew his sheep. So the shepherd truly knows the depths of his sheep because he cares for them and he knows your every fault and he knows your every failure. And I think this is one of those things that may cause us to kind of back off a little bit because we're truly afraid of being fully known and fully loved. But, but he knows your every fault and failure. I want you to think about the biggest sin that you committed this week. You got it in your mind? All right, we're going to share those with the people around you. So, <laughs> Don't do it, don't do it. Well, let, let's define sin real quick, because I, I think Tim Keller says it really well. He says, sin is putting yourself in the place of God, substituting your will for God's will. You do that at all this week? For any area? Keep anything hidden? He knows your biggest sin this week, but, but let's go even further. Think of the worst thing that you've ever done in your entire life that nobody knows, that you haven't shared with anybody. Yeah, he knows that too. And guess what? He still loves you. He knows the depths of your heart and your soul. He knows your brokenness. He knows your pain. And he knows every single mess up. And he still knows your name. And he still calls you to be a part of his family. Why? Because the good shepherd not only leads his sheep and knows his sheep, but he loves his sheep. I mean, this is what we're seeing here in verses 11 through 18. And when we say the word love, I think in our culture we've maybe belittled love to like this weak thing. Like, love has become weak. It's, it's just become, uh, oh, just accept everybody for who they are, and, and that's love. But, but love is actually very strong. Um, shepherds were not weak people. They were protectors. I mean, shepherds were beasts. Like, like they were people who would, would, would defend their sheep at all costs. I mean, Think about David. King David in the Bible uh, is, is someone that we see and, and he's someone who God loved and he loved God and he's, he's known for someone that, that his heart was, was, was tied with God in a way that we should long for. And, and David was recalling right before he's about to go fight this like giant guy, Goliath, he, he says, oh yeah, when lions attacked my flock, I grabbed the lion by his beard and I beat him with my, a club. Like, that's not a girly man. 
How many of you men who think you're tough have ever grabbed a lion by his beard and beat it with a club? Raise your hand right now. Stand up, actually. I feel like you should be up here. Like, he's about to go face this giant that nobody wanted anything to do with, and they're like saying, hey, take all this armor. He's like, I'm good. I got some, some rocks in my pocket. Like, love is not weak. God is not weak. I've been reading this uh, beautiful story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe um, to, to my kids. And um, there was a point that I got to because in this, in this book by C.S. Lewis, it's the story of the gospel. There are these kids that enter into this magical land um, and there is uh, a, a character that resembles the devil and then there's a character that resembles Jesus. And the character that resembles Jesus is Aslan. And Aslan is a lion. And so these kids enter into this place for the first time and they meet uh, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are trying to get these kids to Aslan because they were going to help him fight the battle to overcome the white witch who's the devil character. We tracking? Okay. So there's an interaction between the youngest little girl and Mr. Beaver. Because as soon as he says that Aslan's a lion, it causes fear in Lucy. And this is the interaction. Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Uh, I think this is going to come up on the screen, actually. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who says anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I think often when we view God, we can view him very weak. We see someone who wrapped themselves in human flesh and came down and died. But the power of God should not be trifled with. The might of God is not something to belittle. His love is strong. His love fights. His love conquers. And so when we're talking about love, we have to understand that love is not weak. I mean, when enemies attack, a shepherd would put himself between the enemy and the sheep. Look at what it says in verse 15. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. This isn't a weak love. This isn't a distant love. This is a love that is fully for us. And we have two options when standing face to face with the creator of all things. We either run to him and fall at his feet and grab a hold, or we run from him. And often, because we see that power and that might, we want to run from him. But he is a God that we can run to, and he receives us as we are. He doesn't require you to clean yourself up before coming to him. He doesn't require you to get your act together and then come running to him. He knows the worst things that you have ever done. And guess what? Look at me, look at me. He knows the bad things that you're going to do. And he wants you to be with him. 
He has laid down his life for you, knowing it all. The beauty of his love is that he left eternity. Sometimes I think we, we, we don't even wrap our minds around this because he desires to be with his sheep. His presence, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. He longs to be with us and he longs so much that that there was a moment. He always existed. We can't wrap our minds around that. My, one of my daughters asked that question this week. Where was God before the earth was created? I'm like, uh, what was he doing? Great question. But there was a moment in time that he experienced the fullness of joy and fulfillment with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all one, they experienced perfect unity, perfect relationship, perfect harmony, like every word that you can throw in there that still doesn't do it justice. They experienced something that we don't understand or can't wrap our minds around. And for a moment, he left that for you. For a moment, he came out of that perfection, a place where he was worshiped, and revered and lifted up day and night, every minute, every second of every day, left that to be present here, to wrap himself in human flesh. As I'm reaching 40, like this is failing, but he put himself in a failing substance, experienced pain of rejection, experienced pain of being beat, of being hurt, of experiencing loss because he loves you. Like, his love is so great that he was willing to lay it all out on the line. He was willing to leave ultimate perfection for you. Like, if we can't wrap our minds around this, we really truly don't understand how great we are loved and how powerful love is. Love is not weak. God's love is not weak. God loves you so much that he came to die so that you could be with him for all of eternity. He leads his sheep, he knows his sheep, and he truly loves his sheep. So here's our response. Here's the question. Do you follow the good shepherd when you hear his voice? Do you follow the good shepherd when you hear his voice? Often the response is, I don't want to. That seems difficult. Hey God, I have a better idea. You ever play that card with him? Hey God, I know you told me to do this. I told you, you told me to go ask for forgiveness or you told me to go do this, but I've got a better idea, God. What if... I did this instead. Find yourself kind of being in, in Jonah's shoes, right? God, I know you called me to go to Nineveh, but I've got a better idea. How'd that end up for him? When God speaks, do you listen? Do you know when he speaks that he's, it's for your good and for his glory? If you sit here today and you are a child of God who has responded to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
Are you listening to his voice? Are you listening for his voice? If I'm going to be honest, we have filled our lives with many voices. And often those voices have drowned out his voice. And we've made ourselves so busy that we don't even take the time to listen for his voice. Are you listening for his voice? Are you listening to his voice? Are you obeying when he speaks? And I think that there are some in this room today, in fact, I, I actually know that there are some in this room today who have declined the call of the shepherd their whole life. For your whole life, you have been in a place or an environment where you've heard that there is a God who loves you and wants a relationship with you, and you have just said, no thanks. And here's what I want to say to you. God loves you, and now is the time to respond and obey. Today is the day for salvation. There is nothing that you can do that will make God stop loving you. You also can't impress him either. One of the things that, that we say is, there's nothing bad you, to, you can do to make God love you less, but there's nothing good you could do to make God love you more. <laughs> Often we play this game between those two where we feel like, oh, we've got to impress him so he loves us so then we can come to him. We play this game, oh, we're too bad so, so he doesn't want anything to do with us. If I stepped foot inside of a church, it would burn. Well, it's not burning. Today is the day for salvation. God wants you to know he is calling out your name. He is saying your name and he wants you to come to him and he has open arms that he wants to receive you as his child. The language that the Bible uses is adoption. That he wants to, just like we see here, take you from one fold and bring you into his fold, his family, his flock. Today is the day for that. Stop declining his leading, his love and his care. He knows you and he's calling you. So we respond. I'm going to invite the band to come back on up. And we're going to do the same thing that we did last week if you were here. We're going to have some people that are standing around the room. Uh, we've got Tim right here down here in the corner. Um, but we have people that are wearing um, some lanyards that say Connect Team on them. And we're going to open it up for prayer. And here's what I want to say. I think often in response times like this, we think that this is just for the worst of the worst or if someone has a really big problem. And we don't want to put our burdens on other people. But we want to be the type of church that prays for one another. And if that team would start getting into place now so people can see you, if you just want to make your way around, um, I think it's really important because we all need prayer. Last week, I saw that there was an opening. Uh, Ron was sitting over here, and I just walked up to him like, pray for me. Like, we all need prayer. So there's nobody in this room that's exempt from walking up to a brother or sister and allowing them to pray for you. But then there's some specific things that we need prayer for. If you're comfortable, you can walk up to them and just say, hey, pray for me, they'll pray. Or if you're comfortable, you can share with them something that you need prayer for. Or maybe for you today, you want to respond to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you just don't know where to begin. My encouragement to you is to find, there's Kathy and Joe, there's Carolyn, Tim is going to be over here, Kathy's over here. Um, there's some people in the back that they're standing up there. Just walk up to somebody and say, hey, I need some help with this. I know that it may be uncomfortable. I know that it's not the norm. But what I would say is today is the day that God wants to wrap his arms around you and let you know that you are his child. 
Let's respond in prayer. Let's pray for one another. If you're not comfortable going, but there's somebody with you that brought you here today, talk to them about it. And I'm sure that they would love to pray over you. I'm gonna pray for us, and then everybody is open to go and worship and respond as you feel led. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for always being a God who will receive us in our brokenness, in our pain, in our hurt, in our muck, in our dirt, that you are here to wrap your arms around us. Forgive us and place on us your royal robes and call us your child. And so God, I pray, if there's anybody here today that has not responded to you or has been pushing it off, or if this is the first time they've ever heard that they are loved, they are known, God, I pray that, that we as a church would respond together and celebrate what you have done. Lord, we love you. We come before you in singing to lift your name up, to make your name great. In your name we pray.